Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Spin Move podcast in this in the tw- year 2020, season two. This is uh, Samir alongside our co-hosts uh, Paulo and Nathan on this uh, February Wednesday after, uh, evening. We have a lot to talk about as there have been two blockbuster trades that have taken place uh, last night involving, what, eight teams combined? Crazy and about, like, what, 20 players in among the two different sports? Say the least. Yep. And then we have to recap the Super Bowl and also give our trade deadline predictions for the NBA as the NBA trade deadline is coming uh, within the next 24 hours. So, yeah, this is the Spin Move podcast where we give our spin on the week's worth of news. And uh, where can you find us? Well, you can find us on Spotify, on Google Play, and on uh, Apple Podcasts. Just Google our name, Spin Move Podcast, and you can find us there. And uh, feel free to look at our Twitter page, uh, Spin Move Podcast, as our Twitter handle, where we produce episodes once a week every we record every Wednesday night and then produce over the weekend and get ready to dive in. And and how are you guys doing today on this Wednesday evening? It was good. It was nice to enjoy some warm weather, but now getting back to reality with, uh, with some cold weather. Yep. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm doing pretty well as well. Um, excited to talk a lot of sports, obviously, with a lot of different things coming up. Really excited for the XFL to see how that might be this, um, this year. I know it's only eight teams, but... I, I'm really excited to see more football. I'm not done with football yet, <laughs> so this is pretty cool to have football in the springtime. I've always wanted this, so you got to start somewhere. Yes, you do. And so we'll see how the XFL goes. Although, let's see how long it will stay in existence. I'm like um, the AAF, yes, <laughs> which lasted half a season, if that. Yeah, if that. And then the previous XFL season lasted only one. Right after the. Their championship, it, they basically got yeah, it was well, discontinued. To say the least. Well, yeah, because when Vince McMahon decided to bring it back, he wanted to make sure, look, he let's make this serious this time. Right. Because I watched I watched wrestling. If anything, anyone who follows wrestling knows that Vince McMahon does not like to fail. This is a blemish on his record. No, I believe it. So I think he'll do better this go around. So I am curious to see the talent, to see how how well everything. Um, or how smoothly everything kind of goes over. So it's going to be exciting. But that's, that's Samir, we can see it like in ESPN and I think also on Fox. Uh, I think it's ESPN, ABC for the most part. I mean, just those standard because they have the original rights. Yeah, I think the first XFL game is actually this uh, Saturday at uh, 2 o'clock Eastern. It's uh, the Seattle Dragons versus the DC Defenders at Audi Field, which is the – yeah, DC United's football stadium. Uh, the head coaches stadium. are Pep Hamilton for the DC Defenders, and for the Seattle Dragons, it's former Redskins head coach Jim Zorn. Jim Zorn. Yep. Cardell Jones, the starting quarterback for the DC Defenders. Who thought Jim Zorn would get another head coaching job again? Yeah, I know. After the DC disaster. Well, Jim Zorn was he was a better head coach in in college football. Mm-hmm. So I think wait, was he the head fact coach that. Yeah, I believe if I remember, I think it was UCLA if I was if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. But he he had a better stint in college football um, than he did obviously in the NFL. So we'll see what he can do with the XFL. I mean, it's not it's not like he's a bad coach. Um, so now he gets another opportunity in a league that is just starting up. So maybe he can get his feet wet there. 
Yep, and so uh, with that aside, let's uh, dive into our topics. We're going to be talking first, quickly, just uh, about the Australian Open, as the Aussie Open, as it just finished off uh, over the weekend. So last week, we last left off the uh, at the semifinal stage, where Nathan and I gave our predictions. Nathan's picked... Uh, uh, Djokovic versus uh, Zarev in the final, and uh, Simona Halep versus Ashley Barty. My guesses were similar, except I picked uh, uh, Roger Federer instead uh, instead of Djokovic because they were facing head to head. I also said that uh, I gave a quick pick. I said that Djokovic was going to win. Mhm. And so, however, only Nathan was a quarter right, as the men's final was actually, and same with Paula, was actually Djokovic versus Dominic Thiem. Yeah. And the women's final was actually a U.S. woman, Sofia Kennan, who's only 21 years old, versus the veter- Spanish uh, veteran, Garbin Muguruza, who has won, uh, I believe, one or two titles, mm-hmm. uh, Grand Slams. So the former, the uh, men's, took a full five sets to complete, and Djokovic won his eighth Aussie Open title, yep. while the latter was a two-set sweep by the 21-year-old American for her first Grand Slam win. Uh, no, she she lost the first um, set. Oh, she did? Yeah, 6-4. Oh. So it was a three-set. Uh, won the first set. So, yeah. But she was... swept the last two. She won 6-2, mm. 6-2, six, two, six, two, you know, in the last uh, two, the second and third. So it was I, – I have some thoughts on the Djokovic-Theum yep. battle. I thought um, Theum played extremely well. I think he – I think what what happened here was the experience of Djokovic kind of uh, shined through at the end because Theon was right there. I mean, he had obviously he lost that first set, you know, came out a little bit slow, but then he started to gain traction, beat Djokovic six four, then six two, and it seemed like Theon was starting to pull away. And I think that's when the experience kind of comes in. Djokovic has been in these five set um, battles before, so often, great, yeah, so often against great players. And I think that's really the experience. You cannot, you can't replace that. And I think his experience against Theum shown. Um, Theum was was very uh, well rounded all all around. Though he was, you know, he was consistently moving on the court. Um, he was really good defense. That that was the one thing that I kind of that kind of keyed on me because Djokovic would shoot some some amazing shots. But I mean, it, each each time Theum had a um, had a, a counter for that. Um, so he played fantastic. It's just Djokovic, his experience. He's been here so many times before. So heartbreaking for Theum because he was close in my opinion. Yep. I think it would have been the first major for him or the first uh, Grand Slam for him. I think so, yeah. But, he was ranked number five. So yep. He, yeah, he's yeah, been he, hanging around yeah, for a while. Has. And then, yeah, so congrats to both uh, Djokovic and, uh, and um, so, yeah, Sofia Kennan. Yeah. He's very emotional at the end. Yeah, because it was her first win, and right. she grew up uh, idolizing these the players that have won in past years, right. including like Andy Roddick, which was they have like a clip. Yeah. <laughs> they have a clip of her when she was like five or six, saying how she was such an Andy Roddick fan, and they oh, awesome. replayed that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. So congrats to both, and what was a mildly entertaining Australia Open, and up next is in terms of made in terms of Grand Slams is the French Open, which takes place in late May, early June. That should be fun, and we all know who the uh, the uh, king of clay king is. Of the clay is, and that's uh, Rafa Nadal. I think he'll be healthy by then. Um, I've heard that he's dealing with an injury, um, but um, if he is, he's definitely the favorite. So 
but it should be exciting nonetheless. Djokovic, I mean, is just on a fantastic tear, and I think he'll continue that. Um, Federer will always be there, so it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Hopefully there'll be some new blood, like, say, uh, Monfi or somebody. Yeah, I'd like to see some <laughs> of that too. So let's move on to the big breaking news of the uh, day, and that's the two uh, trades. First off, we're going into the world of baseball, where the uh, MVP runner-up uh, for the past several years in uh, Mookie Betts plus his teammate David Price were dealt to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And in what was has been building over the past several weeks actually happened late last night. That the Dodgers acquired both of these two players, the uh, the uh, Mookie Betts and this veteran pitcher in Price, and what will be a loaded Dodgers team this upcoming season. So uh, here are the trade details. Dodgers get uh, Mookie Betts, David Price, and infielder uh, Luis Rengifo, if I'm saying that right. Um, Red Sox get outfielder Alex Verdugo, who's a young up-and-coming star. And right-handed uh, pitcher Brudar, uh, Bruce Dar Gratterall, who they got from the uh, Minnesota Twins, uh, who is a minor league player who actually has a lot of talent. Twins, in a separate trade, they also get Kinta Maeda from the Dodgers, a great pitcher, Japanese pitcher for them. And the Angels bolster their lineup by getting Jock Pedersen from the Dodgers, a great power-hitting outfielder. Nathan is shaking his head. Yeah. I appreciate the to, to um, bring some quality to this trade. And, and he's right. Those are some good young players. Jock Pedersen, obviously, is a very good player. But... Inevitably, the Dodgers stole this trade. Pretty we much. Talk about Mookie Betts and David Price, two two cons- like consistent All Star players. I mean, veterans and not old, not super old veterans. David Price is kind of up there. Yeah. But Mookie Betts, he's like in his mid twenties, and yeah, and like, he's and he's an up and coming rising all-star player it's he hasn't even hit his prime yet. yeah he's about to hit he's about to which is the insane it's basically kind of like uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo at this point exactly and you're talking about him and Cody Bellinger on the same team yeah Bellinger is the reigning MVP I'm a Giants fan you guys know I'm a a (laughs) San Francisco Giants fan so for me for them to pull off this kind of trade and the Giants are just sitting back Oh yeah, Madison Bumgarner, you can go. Oh yeah, who else? Oh, we'll we'll sign Pablo Sandoval back. What? what what's <laughs> going on? Like the Dodgers are just are cleaning house. Well, they want to get back to the NBA. And they, they want to get back to the, uh, World, the Series. World Series, and this time not get cheated out of it. Yep, last two times they've uh, they faced the Red Sox and Astros. Both have been acquitted or whatever, and. This past year, they had to face the Nationals, who were just on a Cinderella story. So the reason why the Red Sox made this trade, which is really surprising and out of the blue, was just to offset and shed payroll before Betts becomes a free agent next offseason. Just like how the Orioles parted ways with Manny Machado a few years back wow. to uh, so that they could get actually assets instead of just a draft pick in return. So you compare this to like when the NBA is doing their trades at the deadline, uh, giving off a... Uh, acquiring or offloading an expiring contract. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, they want to get rid of a player and get assets before he becomes a free agent right. mm-hmm. in the offseason. So that's I what mean, they did. They, they, must, they must have 
felt that they did, they weren't confident that they could sign him. Resign him back, yeah. Um, resign him back. And that's, I'm surprised that they that they couldn't sign Mookie Betts back. I mean, that's I would throw the kitchen sink for that guy because it's not he the Mookie Betts is different than you know even a Manny Machado because Mookie Betts is such a consistent out, outfielder and he does both things very well and he's going to elevate any well, team that he's going to be. Well, to on. also uh, take this into account, Alex Coras got fired by the Red Sox because of the mess that's going on with the Houston Astros. So how much is that playing in the fact of Mookie Betts wanting out? You know, I, I don't know if that plays a huge factor. It could it could play a factor. I think it may not the be, biggest thing is that he wants to know that the Boston Red Sox are, I'm almost sure, that the Boston Red Sox are wanting to win. And that's that's the biggest thing. And, the, and it's evident because they traded him to, a Do- to the Dodgers who – are a team that has won, you know, for the past few years now. Um, obviously, hasn't won the world, the big, you know, Kahuna, the, the World Series, but they've consistently won. And I think that's the biggest thing that obviously Mookie Best wants to see. Although the Red Sox have a history of winning. So I, mm-hmm. and I do anticipate eventually the Red Sox will get back to their winning ways because it's the Boston Red Sox. So it's, it's a little surprising that. He wanted to move on so quick, but at the same time, you know, if the Red Sox felt like, oh, we're not going to be able to get him back, I could see them making a move. It's just David Price and Boogie Betts. I yeah, mean, I know. Two definitely tanking, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I say that even for a baseball team. Baseball teams have, have many parts, but it's those guys are, are very difficult to replace. Yep, and just to fill you guys in on who the unknowns are, like in terms of this, uh, who the Red Sox got back in Alex Verdugo and this Gratterall. So uh, Verdugo, according, according to a New England uh, Sports Network article, prior to last season he was ranked as the 19th prospect in all of Major League Baseball. He projects with a fair amount of power but also contact, as his overall hitting ability ranked highest among any Dodgers prospect prior to last season. But his arm is what got people's attention. As good as he is in the batter's box, his best tool is his arm. Despite average speed, he has much of his he spent much of his pro career in center field, where his instincts help him get the job done. Scouts are splitting whether he can handle center field on a daily basis in the majors, but no one doubts that his arm would play in right field. And as for uh, Bruce Dar, uh, gradual Bruce Dar. He has a far less big league experience, but same uh, same ranking that had Verdugo at 19th. He was listed at 23rd or 33rd. This is a Venezuelan right-hander. Has just 11 Major League Baseball appearances, and he only has a he has a high 4.66 ERA for the Twins. But he can throw an electric sinker that goes at 101 miles per hour and sits at his lowest at 99, mm-hmm. and uses that pitch uh, set about two thirds of the time. Sinkers typically, just to give you kind of a, an idea of sinkers, typically are in the range of the lower 90s, upper 80s. So you usually see sinkers at around 88 to 93 miles per hour. So that that is exceptional for for a sinker. The 466 um, average in the bullpen is not. That doesn't look good. I mean, now, it's 11 appearances. Yeah, yeah, it's 11 not appearances much. is small, and obviously he's he's young, so he's he's just starting out. Like I said, it's it's Mookie Betts and David Price. So yeah, yeah. So these, yeah, so you know, I'm gonna third prospect, but I mean, he does obviously, you know, 101 for a sinker. That's pretty impressive. 
Yep. But the reason the Dodgers were able to get both these two player, uh, players, bets and price and possibly resign bets in this is because they have low salaries for the major majority of their other players mm. since they're grown, groomed in uh, in-house right. through the minor league systems, right. such as right. Cody Bellinger, uh, Corey Seager, Gavin Lux, Will Smith. Right. I mean, look at their uh, potential lineup next season, barring injuries. Uh, yeah, starting off, it's Mookie Betts. Number two hitter is Max Muncy. Thir- third base is Justin Turner. Cleanup is Cody Bellinger. The five spot is Corey Seager. Left field is former Diamondbacks outfielder A.J. Pollock. Uh, at the eighth spot is Gavin Lux, the rising uh, uh, prospect. And then a catcher is the uh, Will Smith, not com- to be confused with the, the actor. actor. Yeah. yeah. But he's- and, and honestly, that's smart. That's the way you should, I think, in baseball. I know you see the Yankees. You know, they pick up the big guys like Giancarlo Stanton. They'll always get the big. You because know, they have the money. Because they have the money. To spend. But I think in baseball, your farm system is so important. If you build a strong farm system, the Giants were known for this but during their stint of, you know, three years, three out of the five years they won World Series. They majority, I shouldn't say majority, but a lot of their players, they built through the farm system like Tim Lincecum. Those guys, they they had built through their farm system up so that way that they obviously could pay you know, a little bit extra for those, you know, free agents that they want to add to the already good team, already good young team. And that's really the key here with the Dodgers is that they built through their farm system. They got young talent and baseball um, is starting to um, become more and more like a young man's team or a young man's game. Um, and they, they built that very strong foundation so that now they can afford guys like a David Price, like a Mookie Betts, who they're obviously going to have to re-sign after the season if they're not going to re-sign him now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's a very impressive lineup for the Dodgers. They obviously um, made two big moves. They needed another pitcher, so David Price is a, is a great choice. So, yeah, they're, they're looking pretty dangerous. Yeah, imagine they have uh, him, they have uh, Kershaw. Kershaw, Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> Who needs to get off of his uh, playoff woes? Yes, that 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 is that's his Achilles heel right now. So it does is. this trade automatically puts the Dodgers as World Series so, favorites? Yes, yeah, they already were um, pretty high up there, but this, I mean, this definitely catapults them into probably the number one position. So um, yeah, I mean they, but like I said, so here's the thing: is that talent is not the only thing so they have it has to be a good combination of the team in general we saw where you know many teams acquired many different talented players and it didn't materialize that always happens so it has to be the team dynamic the Yankees were fortunate last year they had a slow start and then they kind of just pushed through at the end they ended up being a very good team so sometimes you'll have those slow starts. Can you overcome those things? Can you? Yeah, I mean, national. Yeah, right adjustments. Nationals were nineteen and thirty-three. Exactly. Nineteen wins, thirty-three losses. Exactly. And, and their we, World Series. We kind of anticipated that they'd have a slow start because they're a young team, kind of starting out. But they. They know, had a they lot of injuries. Where, yeah, a lot of injuries. And everyone was going for the manager's head, including myself and uh, Samir. Yeah. But, yeah, as for the other two teams, the Twins and the Angels, the former gets a, a, the decent pitcher from the Dodgers in Kenta Maeda, while the latter gets a power bat, like I mentioned earlier, in Jock Pedersen in what was already a nasty lineup with Mike Trout, the MVP for years to 
for the previous two or three years. Shohei Hutani, who has a great bat and a great pit and a great arm. And New Angel and ex-national uh, Anthony Rendon, who was also a, a MVP runner-up this past season. So, yeah, it's a win-win for everyone except for Boston is what yeah. the public <laughs> thing and what we all think. Yeah. And as for the other sport, the NBA, they also had a big trade of their own that uh, was made true like around half an hour after the baseball trade. NBA trade deadline. Yep, with the NBA trade deadline in less than 24 hours. And what in, in another trade that has been brewing also for weeks, we finally got an output, a massive 12-player, four-team deal involving two uh, studs in uh, Clint Capella and Robert Covington. The Lord Covington, his nickname is, and several role players. So here's the entire breakdown. Uh, Rockets get uh, Robert Covington and center Jordan Bell, along with a 2024 second-round pick from the Golden State Warriors. The Hawks get two centers in Clint Capella and little-used Nene Hilario. The uh, Timberwolves get a bunch of uh, role players in... uh, Malik Beasley, uh, Juan Hernan Gomez, uh, Evan Turner. He's still playing. Uh, surprisingly <laughs> so, yes. Uh. In limited minutes. And uh, Jared Vanderbilt, along with a 2020 first-rounder. So this year's first-round pick from the Brooklyn Nets. That is lottery protected for the Nets. Mm. So if the Nets were to be in the top 13 picks, this would stay with the Nets. Right. The Denver Nuggets get uh, Gerald Green, high flyer, uh, Forward Keita Bates-Diop, um, point guard Shabazz Napier, who has been starting for the Timberwolves over the past two, three weeks, and forward Noah Vonley, along with the, first, uh, the Rockets' first-round pick. So that converts no matter what. So to break it down simply, the Rockets get a 3-and-D power forward in uh, the Lord. The Hawks get a much-needed center so that John Collins can play his natural power forward position. And the Wolves and Nuggets essentially just swap bench players. And so you would then ask, who's playing center for the Rockets? Well, they've been using an ultra-small lineup for the past couple of weeks with P.J. Tucker at 6-7, the center essentially. And it's been working as they've been 6-4 and four and won three straight games for the high-paced. Yep. And it never works in the playoffs. That's yeah, we thing. shall see because the thing is with this ultra small lineup, you're they're actually facing LeBron and Anthony Davis tomorrow night. Yeah. So it should be interesting how they face against them, against the Jokic of the Jokic's that kind of team, against a team that has well, more well rounded centers. Right. But isn't uh, Mike Antonio's philosophy is his answer for uh, a defense is to play more offense? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it works. It's it is fantastic during the regular season, but once he hits the playoffs, it almost never works. I remember the years when they had Sean Marion. Sean Marion was like six nine. Even Amari Stoudemire was like six ten. So yeah, like six ten, six eleven. Yeah. Yeah, they had really you know kind of like a small lineup. I mean, they would run Sean Marion at the power forward, and they were great during the regular season. And in the postseason, they were decent in the first round, but there were plenty of times where they lost in the first round to play to seeds that were smaller than them. But and it was because they didn't they don't have interior defense. 
Well, they don't have defense in general, but they also really lacked um, height and interior rebounding and defense were the biggest things. And all both of those things are crucial in the in the playoffs. You have to have those. But wasn't there a year where they were in the Western Conference Finals? If it wasn't for the injury to Chris Paul, they could have beaten the Warriors and go to the end. You're talking about the Houston Rockets? The Houston Rockets. Yeah, that that year they did have Clint Capella, and I believe they also had Nene, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And they they actually had some decent interior um, um, defense. The problem was was that it was their approach. And their approach that they took, I think it was against the Warriors, right? It was the Warriors. Yeah, it was their approach during the last two two games, and then it was also the fact that there were a couple key injuries um, that kind of took them took them out of that. But also, it's the fact that it was the Warriors. I think that at that point they still had KD. It was yeah, Curry, KD, Curry, Clay, and Draymond, and it's just that's just it's difficult to beat. It's difficult uh-huh. to like beat them four times. Like, I feel like you can beat them a couple times, maybe even three, but to beat them in a seven-game series, it's just, it's really difficult if you don't have extra firepower. And the other biggest thing is that you need your star player to play like a superstar. So James Harden kind of... Yeah, he didn't do so well, I remember. So I want to ask two questions. One, still in the Rockets, how much does a Covington trade help? It helps their, uh, I think it helps their... um, Interior. Interior a little bit. Um, and are you talking about Robert Covington yeah. for the Rockets? Yeah, it helps the Rockets. their interior a little bit because of Robert Covington's defense, and it helps them against players like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, LeBron James. Because he has but, the same length. Because he has the same length, exactly. But it it takes a lot from your your, your rebounding, your your interior defense. Um, it takes a lot from that, and that's that's where. You know, that's where the negatives kind of come in. So I think this will do well for them regular season. I think in the postseason, it will help a little bit, but it's not enough of a move. It's not like they got a lockdown defender. So it's not like they got a Kawhi Leonard in, ter- on, in terms of on defense. And so that kind of doesn't outweigh what they're going to need in the playoffs. Is the job status of Mike D'Antoni and uh, Daryl Morey um, in jeopardy after this trade? If they don't, um, I mean, the playoffs. I mean, uh, like I, uh, I didn't say this, but they're actually still looking at another big to acquire, mm-hmm. not to start because they're sticking, still sticking with uh, uh, PJ Tucker, mm-hmm. but they're as a backup for him and for for the playoffs, they may get a bigger big. They're gonna need somebody, and it has to be somebody who can give you consistent minutes that can average you at least ten and eight. That's that's mm-hmm. that's going to be very important, and he can play really good defense. So, and I'm wondering, I want to get your guys' opinion. What do you think is going on in the mind of Carl Anthony Towns when he hears that Robert Covington and Shabazz Napier has been traded? He's not <laughs> happy. I can tell you that much for sure. And they are still expecting him to be happy. Right. And his, his situation reminds me a lot of Devin Booker's a couple a year or two ago. Where it's just like it seems like the organization is not looking to acquire players to help them to win. And it's like the Robert Covington was the one acqui- acquisition that you felt like was going to help the Minnesota Timberwolves to start winning. Because he's a great, game. yeah, great role player. It's a great role player, and so it's like for him to be traded away now, like it's it's frustrating. The way Andrew Wiggins is playing, he's playing more consistently, like. I can understand where Carl Anthony Towns would be pretty upset. I would be too. 
But I know Trey Young is happy because Trey yeah. Young wanted there to be a move made Clint to get Capella, a better to get a center. To get a center. And Clint Capella is the perfect option. He doesn't complain, plays very good defense, rebounds very well, can give you a little bit of offense, you know, with with uh, lobs and things like that. Him and John Collins that's, that's not bad. Well, so we'll just see that, how uh, Samir said that uh this will can now allow Collins to play his natural position. Right. It's also a win-win. And I think with the Clint Capella trade, that also helps with their young core and to finally get going into the right direction, yeah. possibly for next season. Because this season, I don't think they're they're yeah, they're a bottom five, they're a bottom five team. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but they do have Trey Young, who's the an all-star starter. Kevin Herter, the Red Velvet, uh, the number uh, number three overall, I think it was, or top five pick this year in DeAndre Hunter. Along with John Collins and Clint Capella, which is a great starting five. Bruno Fernando as a backup. Yep. That's right. right. And Cam Reddish to backing them up too. Yeah. So it's a great uh, core they have right as of right now, and one of the brightest futures for the foreseeable future. As for the other two teams, the Nuggets get an improved bench depth. If you may or may not recall, Shabazz Napier was actually the starting point guard for the Timberwolves after they let go of Jeff Teague earlier last month, and they also get. Gerald Green for the Nuggets. And as for the Timberwolves, they get even younger in this deal as they got Malik Beasley, who's only 23, Hernan Gomez is only 24, and Vanderbilt is only 20. The Nuggets are going to miss Malik Beasley. That was the one uh, player I felt like I wouldn't have traded if I were the the Nuggets, especially because of who you got back. I just... I wouldn't have traded Malik Beasley. I I kind of understand. Yeah, it wasn't worth it. I kind of understand why, because they have a log jam there at the the shooting guard and small forward position. But I just didn't feel like they got the the return that they probably invested in Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley's young, so. I know the Nuggets are at the number three spot in the Western Conference, but it's behind both Los Angeles teams. Right. They're, they are a dangerous team. To yeah, because they have the biggest depth I've ever seen for any team. They have, because they can go they 1 through 10. Talking about the Nuggets, right? Yeah, they yeah. can go 1 through 10 with any of their players. They can. Compared to the Wizards, who are trying to get players off the street to start for them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying their best. They're trying their best. they got to hope that Joe Green gets cut or something like that. So, <laughs> for the players that the, the Nuggets get, they're probably not going to play tonight because right now the Denver Yeah, they're Nuggets, not. The Denver Nuggets have to go play the Utah Jazz in Utah. But the next game is in Phoenix against the Suns, followed by a home game against the San Antonio Spurs. So, yeah, you could see them play. Followed by a home game with the Los Angeles Lakers and a road game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, mm, geez. this is a, a tough stretch of games. Yep, but going back to the trade, this is a massive trade in terms of number of players involved, 12 players. I believe the biggest trade prior to this was a 13-player trade involving Antoine Walker back in 2005. Yeah, that's right. And so... But yeah, since we have a, a blockbuster trade like this, yeah. But to the casual fan, this will be a blip because there are only two notable names, if that, in this twelve-player blockbuster. But uh, there's still another eighteen hours to go or so until the NBA trade deadline at three p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Yep, so, so stay tuned. Off. Yep. So we're gonna get more into the NBA trade deadline later. First, I want we want to quickly recap the. What happened a few days ago, as the Super Bowl was had just taken place, 
And what was a fairly entertaining game, the one-point favorites in the Kansas City Chiefs staged a fourth-quarter comeback for the ages, winning 31-20 to in Miami. Who picked the Kansas City Chiefs to win? Yeah, Paolo did. Uh, 30, he picked a score prediction of 35-20, to 20, so four. Four points, it's close. Yep, so this was despite former MVP Patrick Mahomes fumbling twice and throwing two picks in that, and I believe that was in the first three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, he had two passing touchdowns, one to Travis Kelsey, the other to Damian Williams, and one earlier rushing touchdown to boot. And because of that, he got the Super Bowl MVP nod, despite a huge game from his running back, Damian, who had 104 rushing yards and one rush TD, and another 29 receiving yards and that fourth quarter receiving TD. But the 49ers' defense did come to play for the first three quarters, unfortunately. They were leading 20-10, to 10, heading into the fourth and decisive quarter, with Mahomes barely throwing for over 100 yards and no passing touchdowns and two picks. And they just didn't have enough gas to stop the Chiefs' offense in that fourth quarter. So your thoughts, guys, on the game? I thought it was like a good game. Um, you got to give it to Patrick Mahomes. And, that, and he he's the reason why I picked the Kansas City Chiefs to win. Yep. Because when the fourth quarter comes in, you just can't count this guy out. Dean trailing 24 to nothing against the Houston Texans to win 51-31. Trailing against the Tennessee Titans 17-7 to ultimately winning that game to get to the Super Bowl. And now he pulls another fourth quarter comeback. It's just hard to stop Patrick Mahomes. Although the San Francisco 49ers did do that for most of the game because this had to be Patrick Mahomes' first horrible game statistically, at least how it, it looked like in the beginning. But With the two picks, yes. Yeah. But Patrick Mahomes managed to uh, turn it around. And it also has to do with the Chiefs uh, altering their game plan. And what they started they, taking more shots. You know, that yeah. was the biggest thing is that. Mm-hmm. And, it, what the, and the reason why they weren't taking as many shots is because San Francisco – came out with the perfect game plan, which is to keep everybody in front of you. So they kept Tyreek Hill in front. They kept Nicole Hardman in front. They kept Travis Kelsey in in front. They kept all these big guys. They kept them in front of them. They made sure that, you know, max 13, 15 yards on receptions. They made sure that they were playing a shell defense. So that way everything was kept kind of inside rather than letting these guys get outside the numbers and get downfield wasn't until that 44-yard reception. Even on that, that was a launch, and it, it, he was just trusting that Tyreek Hill would outrun his player like he always does. But it was difficult for Patrick Mahomes to throw downfield because he, he was pressured for most of the game. I mean, which Nick Bosa was just absolutely 11 pressures by Nick Bosa. 11 on Jeez. 33% of his pass rushes. He mm. either um, rushed, um, either was a hurry or was a sack. That's crazy. The one third of your pass rushes is is a hurt, a hurry, a, a sack, or a hit. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Nick Bosa had a phenomenal game, and so you're right. I mean, he he was under pressure, he was under fire, but they finally started to switch in some different calls. They gave gave Damian Williams the opportunity. I said he was going to be an X factor. Well, they also double teamed Bosa. They also had a guy. They also had some guys yep. chip. Both chip Bosa a couple times, yep. Which, so they had to slow him yeah. down a little bit. And the, part of the way you slow down a defense like that is by giving your running back some options, by, you know, some screens, some short passes, some some short runs, which Damian Williams had plenty key runs, including the, obviously the ones to seal the game. 
but he had plenty of key runs that really um, kind of kept that Kansas City Chiefs offense moving towards the end of the game because otherwise San Francisco 49ers played a perfect game mm-hmm. against Kansas City for three and almost a half quarter. It was baffling to me how um, they played at the end of that, that those last seven minutes no. because they had an opportunity to put it away. Now I want to talk about Kyle Shanahan. The San Francisco 49ers, even though this loss stings, they still had a terrific season. Terrific, but yeah, terrific season. very questionable decisions by Kyle Shanahan, specifically close to the end of the first half yeah. when they stopped the, the Kansas City Chiefs. It's fourth down. They got a punt. He elected not to call a timeout. Just let the clock yeah. run out and just leave the game tied at 10 to 10, mm-hmm. which to me, um, he explained like he didn't want to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes with so many time left. Okay, but for me, if I was him, I would have called a timeout immediately because, yes, there's going to be enough time left, but I want to have a chance to close the half by getting a touchdown because the San Francisco 49ers also start the to get the kickoff on the second half. Okay, they but do you trust Jimmy Garoppolo to go downfield and score? He was been making throws throughout the game, and yes, even if you have doubts, this is a Super Bowl. You got to put all your chips to the table. Yeah, take all the rest possible. What happens though, and this is the thing, is that like I can understand if if they start, if let's say San Francisco started out at the forty to forty five yard line, right? If they started out the forty forty five yard line, I'd be like, okay, let's go ahead and take that opportunity. But they started out at I think even lower than the twenty yard line. Yeah, yeah, it was like fifteen. Yeah. So they start at the 17, you've got a minute and, what, 40 seconds left or something like that. You're against the Kansas City Chiefs defense that has been overachieving at this point. <laughs> and you're going to put it in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. Now, there's, if you turn the ball over, then you give instant feed to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I get it. And, you, and they score either a field goal at minimum or they score a touchdown possibly because Patrick Mahomes is there. And then they get the ball at half. Then you put your team in the worst possible position to because you can't. You're not coming back on the Kansas City Chiefs and, because they're scoring at a crazy rate. But well, we I thought that was actually the best call that the 49ers mm-hmm. had. I think the worst call to me was what happened in the fourth quarter, which was the lack of using the running game. Because I thought what they did at the in the second quarter was stay true to who they were. That's, they ran the ball and then they took a shot and they they almost had it with that Emmanuel Sanders, right? Oh yeah, and then also the pass interference with Kittle, yeah. Exactly. Which you uh, you were screaming. <laughs> I was, you know, initially I was I was very upset at that call. Initially, now going back and seeing it in slow motion, I can understand where the refs made that call. And I'm, I don't bag the refs for the, they, they. I think they, they actually the let them play. For the yeah, they let them play, which I appreciate. And so I wasn't too like going back. I wasn't too angry about it. But yeah, initially I was I was pretty livid. I want to answer your question. You're asking me would I uh, trust Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. to drive down the field? Well, the Kansas City defense had no answer for the San Francisco offense. They were connecting on the running game and they were connecting on the play action pass and the intermediate throws. Mm. So if my offense was getting momentum in that aspect, yeah, it will still continue. Even if I do have doubts, this is the Super Bowl. Why I think what San Francisco did at the end of the second quarter, at the end of the second quarter, was exactly what I would have done. They, they ran the ball, 
like they like their strength is, and then they they went with the play action pass, which was the big pass to George Kittle, which would have worked. That's what I that's what I think yeah, it was but like. Even with the a lot of people didn't pass interference with call with George Kittle, he would have still had enough time left to get back in the field goal range. Oh yeah, he would have had plenty of time. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the that's the thing. That's the reason why I think people saw what Kyle Shanahan did and thought, oh, what is he doing? But Kyle Shanahan knew that. Okay, I can't get outside of our, our of what we do best. We're gonna run the ball. We're at the 17 yard line. We're gonna see how it goes. If we get if we get in a position where I feel like we could take a shot, which they didn't ever, we get somewhere around the 40 yard line. I think they have like 50 seconds left. They took a shot and it would have been successful. That's exactly the way they should have done it. Yeah. And they did it right. I think at the at the end of this the second quarter, that's the, that's the way you should do it for a team like that. Now, if you're Kansas City. Yeah, you get in the shotgun, you run, you know, fast-paced offense, you run the hurry-up. But San Francisco hadn't done that all year. They don't run the hurry-up like that. They don't run the hurry-up in the shotgun. If anything, they their their hurry-up is in the I-formation or they've got a double tight end set. Like, it's it's just different. They run different offense. And like you said, you got to go with what got you to the dance, which was running the ball. But I'm not surprised Kyle went away from that because Kyle cannot help himself. He is pass-happy Kyle. He just loves to go pass-happy a lot where he needs to be reminded you have to run the ball. Right. And because they could have just uh, wasted time off the clock because at this point – Time was an ally with him, right. but he kind of made it an enemy. He did, he did. And because did. of that, the Kansas City Chiefs win the game, and Kyle, unfortunately, gets the brunt of the blame, the brunt of the blame yeah. because this is the second time yep. he's gone to the Super Bowl, had a lead, yes. and it disappeared in the fourth quarter. And a considerable lead at that. Which 20 to 10 here, and then 28 to 3 in that other game we That's don't egregious. mention. Egregious. And just to put it in perspective, in the fourth quarter alone, he is scoreless compared to, I believe, something like 31 to 0 in the fourth quarter. Like 46 like, to 0, I think. Yeah, something like that, those- which is insane. Like, when you think about that, you put that in perspective in terms of where you were and then where you where you actually ended up, you would have thought you learned after the first one. And that clearly didn't happen. I, I feel for the 49ers because – they had, like you said, they had a great season overall. Yeah, I don't think Kyle Shanahan's a bad coach. I think no, he's a good no. coach. So I hope they can get back to the dance. But momentum is key because it's after that key. third and fifteen conversion to Tyree Kill, and then you have the defensive PI call on them right. uh, because of interference on Travis Kelsey. Right. All the momentum switched from San Francisco to the Chiefs, yep. and then mm-hmm. they never looked back. Yep, it's true. They just kept rolling. And Andy Reid wins his first Super Bowl ring after going 2-5 and five in the previous uh, semifinals, conference championship games. Happy to see him win a ring, not with the Eagles. <laughs> yep. That much I'm happy. I had a friend who texted me and was like, oh, you know, this is kind of a sentimental win for, uh, for, for us Eagles, too, because Andy Reid won a Super Bowl. I was like, no, you don't get to, you don't get no. to own Andy Reid now. He's no. gone. He's in Kansas City. He's no. in a completely different now, speaking team. Of that, first of all, <laughs> congratulations, Andy Reid. Yes. It was well-deserved. I know everyone around the, the National Football League, players and coaches and executives, are happy for Andy Reid yep. because I'm so happy that he doesn't – he can no longer get the hate of, oh, he cannot win the big one. Well – He's got. He can now call himself a Super Bowl champion. When you're talking about former Eagles fan trying to get credit for Andy Reid winning because he was a former Eagles coach, I'm not going to go through that. Although (laughs) there were two former Redskins in 
Kendall Fuller, and Rashad Freeland, and then for you, two former Dallas Cowboy players, Anthony, Dan- Hitchens. Anthony yep. Hitchins and Damian Wilson. That's right, that's right. So, I mean, Andy Reid obviously saw there's talent in the NFC East. He knows those guys probably pretty well because he's probably studied them um, consistently. So that's the great thing about a head coach and being a coach is that, especially when you're in a division, you can see the talent from those different players in, the, in that division. And if you're able to, you can bring some of those guys over. Andy Reid obviously took uh, very good um, – very good advantage of that. So, congratulations to Kansas City Chiefs. First Super Bowl win in, I think, about 50, 50 years. years. Yep, yep, that's what they've said. And I saw this insane stat where uh, the current price for a Super Bowl ticket, 2500 Back then it was $15. Crazy. I mean, Crazy. it was more around like $5,000 okay. if you go on like stub up or something. I think I saw something like up down on ESPN. That's yeah. Insane. That's, that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You do it once, cross it off your bucket list, and – Never do it again. And another stat before we go, Kyle, uh, San Francisco 49ers fullback, Kyle's uh, Juszczyk scored a receiving touchdown. I think that's the first receiving touchdown from a fullback. It, yeah, it was since the uh, the Bucks uh, Raiders Super Bowl. Which was Mike Alston. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a good, like, what, 17 years ago? Yeah. Chosen <laughs> two. Crazy. Fun Super Bowl. Exciting Super Bowl. Better than a year ago. That was a dud. Oh, boy. Absolutely. <laughs> For sure. But, yeah, we're going to go now move on to the NBA trade deadline predictions, which is going to be even more exciting since it's uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night, although less than 24 hours until the NBA trade deadline. And now it's the fourth year that the trade deadline is prior to the All-Star break, as the NBA did change it up to mask any confusion with trades made during the All-Star weekend break. And so that's why they moved it ahead. For that reason. So with that being said, we're going to play a little game. I'm going to name several NBA players rumored to be traded to new teams. And both you, Paolo, and Nathan will give me two answers. One, whether the player will be traded. And two, if traded, what team will acquire the said player. So here we go in no particular order. Number one. Oh, we're going to take <laughs> yep, I've already taken Clinton Capella off. I've taken uh, Covington off as well. So first off is the Warriors guard, uh, D'Angelo Russell. So, Paolo, will he be traded? And if so, to which team? I mean, originally he was going to be traded. There were rumors about him to the Timberwolves. But those broke off. Yep, those broke off. Those broke off. Um, Anything can change, but right now I'm saying he's staying put. Okay, Nathan? Yeah, I'd agree he's staying put. I heard a report that said the the Warriors are more apt to keep him because they want to see him with Curry at least through a full season. Um, I think they're more they're more just testing the waters to see you know who would be willing to bite and how much they'd be willing to give. And so, so far, the other yeah, because yeah, they haven't received any what they want exactly. So next up, Nathan, go first. Davis Bertans. Davis Bertans. Um, Stay or go. I think he. Mm, <laughs> I think he stays. Um, I think there's a lot. There's obviously a lot of interest, um, but I don't think the Wizards. The Wizards yeah, I don't. I don't think they're. I think they just acquired him. I don't see him actually being traded because I don't know what the Wizards will get back in return. I think the, at the most they probably get a second round pick. Um, I just don't see him moving right now. I think they want Davis Bertans probably in the long run. Um, because he's a good role player, but 
Um, I don't see him really moving. Not this year. You, Paulo? A big key asset, but like Nathan says, he's staying. And it looks like Tommy Shepard's like different than what Ernie Grunfeld does because under Ernie Grunfeld, the Wizards are active in the trade deadline. They'll trade away draft picks like it's nobody's business, right. along with players. <laughs> but oh, David Sporton is playing very well for the Wizards, and he's a key piece. So unless uh, they get an offer that they can refuse, Wizards are just going to stay put with Davis Bertans, as they should. Give you an offer that, it, that you can <laughs> Okay, back to Paolo. Rudy Gay. He came up oh. in trade rumors, so will he send into a new trade or keep him? Rudy Gay. Oh, let me see here. This is tough. I could see him trade him, but right now I'm going to say he stays put. Okay, three for three for staying. You, you Nathan? I think he will be traded. Um, I think he'll be traded Ooh. to a playoff team, um, somebody who's in need of a small forward that can score. Um, I could see him going to a team like the Miami Heat. I could also see him going to a team like the Lakers. Um, they need a backup small forward. Those are two teams that I would probably have um, closely in mind. And then I'll throw another team out there. I could also see the 76ers probably. Because mm, they um, need shooters. They need shooters. And Rudy Gay is a shooter. He's a scorer. Um, they can use some scoring off the bench. So he would be a good fit for any one of those three teams. Okay, going back to Nathan Drummond. Andre Drummond. Um, the way he's playing right now is it's phenomenal. His trade stock should be going through the roof. But I just don't see him being traded for whatever reason. Because I, of his contract? or because of, Partly because of his contract and partly because of how well he's playing. Um, it's just it's, – it's, with Detroit, it's been this back and forth. They, I mean, they've been considering him for trade for the past couple of seasons, and it just hasn't come through. Um, I don't see him getting traded this, this deadline. I wouldn't be surprised if he just becomes a free agent. Um, and I just don't think they'll also get the requisite um, – uh, trade uh, assets assets back because he's a center and because even though he's a really pretty good center he's not like your uh, Joel B type center where he is is like a game changer on offense so I would say he doesn't get traded okay follow you Andre Drummond stay or go I would say he stays but oh, I can see him get dealt <laughs> so you didn't answer the question yes or no <laughs> dealt or not I'm gonna get to that I'm I'm leaning towards getting dealt. Okay, then who? We'll acquire him. Uh, I can only think of one team. Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets. See, I I would think that that would be the perfect option for him, but I don't think the Rockets have the assets. Yeah, they yeah. don't have the assets, and plus they're looking at a backup. Yeah. Oh, backup. But Even though they should go with a I know, starter. I do. <laughs> Regardless, yeah. I'm still sticking with it. Okay. Because who says it's just them? I mean, they were involved in a in a fourteen trade. Who's to say yeah. that they can't get another team to? Uh, I can see the Celtics going for him. I can see mm -hmm. that happening, and that would be an excellent move for the Celtics because Ennis Cantor's a a, a decent, a good offensive option, but everybody knows about his defense, and they could use some rebounding. So I think that would actually be the perfect fit for the Celtics. Just whether or not they'd be willing to give up an asset. I think they should give up Gordon Hayward. I, mm. I, it's a big contract. At least like swapping contracts. I think it's the perfect so, fit. Ideally, Andre Donald 
I think we'll stay, but we get, Nathan and I just gave our predictions of where he may get dealt. Yeah, if it actually does happen. Yeah. Okay, next up, Paulo, Kevin Love. I heard his name. Yep, so is he staying or is he going? I'm going to trade that guy. Poor dude. <laughs> I know. Him? Let him go. How many times has he been on trade talks? Almost I know. Every year since Minnesota. Took exactly. It's Kevin Love. Kevin Love. Oh, jeez. Um, uh, right now, I'll just say stay put. Okay. And Nathan? I think he will be traded, and the team I have him most likely going to would be the Portland Trailblazers. That's been what's been rumored the most. Um, there's a couple other teams I could see him going to, but the Trailblazers would be the best fit. They need somebody who can stretch the floor, hit threes. They need some offense on that side. Um, he'd be great as a starting option. Then you can bring Carmelo off the bench. Um, I could see him going to Portland. Um, I guess if I were to give a couple other teams, um, I, were you going to say something about him? No, I kind of changed my mind on that. Like, if he gets traded, I would probably go with the uh, an L.A. team, but not your Lakers, the Clippers. Clippers. Yeah. yeah, they are looking for big men. Yeah, they are looking for big men. They do need uh, perimeter shooting mm-hmm. along with help at the wing. And the Clippers do have assets that they can give to the Cavaliers. It's true. Yeah, Montrezl Harrell is one trade target. Definitely Montrezl Harrell, and I can see uh, Jermichael Green being uh, involved in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, Nathan, next up, AI. Andre Godala. I think it well, actually, I mean, I actually, think, I'm going to actually craft this out because yeah. it's actually been official. He's actually is going to Miami. Wow, what's the trade? They haven't announced the, uh, the details, details yet. Breaking but, news. Yep, breaking news as of uh, 8.30. Guaranteed. Nunn's probably yep. in the trade. Wouldn't be surprised if Deion Waiters is in because of the contract. Either Deion Waiters or Goran Dragic, maybe a first or second round pick. That's my prediction on what the trade is. Brian Shams was the first to break it, and he agreed to a two-year, $30 million extension with Miami. It's a good fit for him. I mean, he's a tough defensive-minded player. He's going to fit excellent with Miami. Yeah, I wonder what the assets that they're giving up to the Red Hot Grizzlies, who are now in almost in playoff contention. I'm sure quite a few for him to agree yep. to an extension. It that quickly. That, yeah, I, mean, I definitely think so. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting what they give up because Miami is in Los Angeles facing the Clippers tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. And next up, Marcus Morris. He plays on the, I want to say, Pistons right now? I'll look it up. So, in that case, I'll give it to Nathan. Will he be traded or will he be kept? Knicks. Um, uh, Knicks, right, right, right. I've, Markeith I've is heard that, they, um, that both Markeith and New York want to keep him. Um, as a as a key cog for both the young players growing up, um, as well as just in general, they, they really like having him on the team. Um, that being said, um, if there is an option, I think the Lakers mm-hmm. um, are a big team that has, has been rumored. Um, I could also see him going uh, to maybe the Pacers, um, adding another power forward there to back up um, is always a good option. Um, I could also see him on the Celtics. He's been rumored in past years um, to be traded to the Celtics, so that's an option. Um, and, yeah, those would be probably the biggest teams. And I would also say the Mavericks because they lost um, uh, John Powell, Josh Powell a couple of weeks ago. 
Um, so they could use some um, depth there at the power, small, small forward slash power forward kind of position. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would fit perfectly for that. Um, although I would say that obviously the Knicks um, have expressed that they want to keep him. So I'd give him a 40% chance of leaving and a 60%, 60% chance of staying. So Apollo, hmm. Marcus Morris from the Knicks. Yeah. You think he stays? I do think he will get down. I have heard rumors that the Lakers and Clippers are in conversations with the Knicks. But I'm asking you, which team? Yeah. Oh, you you would say the Clippers and the uh, Lakers? No. I'm going with one LA team. Right now, I'll say Clippers. And the other choice is the Mavericks. Gotcha. Next up, his brother, Mark Eve. He's also in trade rumors. Will he stay or will he go, Paolo? He's with Detroit right now. Detroit? Yeah. So will he be dealt or kept? I mean, if Andre Drummond gets dealt, then I'm pretty sure they would keep Marquis. But I do think Marquis gets dealt. To who? He joins his brother in L.A., but not with the Clippers. The Lakers. Lakers. Wow. Mm. Nathan, you? Yeah, I'm not surprised if he gets dealt. More because... Um, there's no reason for him to be in Detroit any longer. Um, I, I would say same teams for the most part. Um, I could also I'd also throw in the Thunder because um, they're kind of a fringe playoff team. Um, they could use an extra veteran there um, on the floor with them. So I would I would add them in uh, in the mix though. But I would give him a greater chance of being dealt than um, his his brother Marcus Morris. Yeah. I'd say 60% for uh, Marquise and 40%. Or 60% for him going, 40% for him staying. Mm. So, yes, I would give him the going. The reason I didn't say Lakers, because I know there's rumors about Kuzma to the next one. I know the Lakers ain't giving up Kuzma. Yep. He's actually on this list. Uh, next up is Bogdan. Not cut to be confused with the former wizard. Right. He's the younger Bogdan. Interesting. Bogdanovich, <laughs> yes. But he's been in trade rumors for the past two months. So, Nathan? I don't see Bogdan going. I see him staying. I think he's such a young, talented player, and he's got so much. You know, as an asset, he's perfect. And I don't think he's at the point right now where you're going to trade him um, trade him away. I think he's definitely staying. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, who, who, you, who would you trade to get Bogdan? Like, you know, that's really what it's going to come down to. Are you willing to give up? considerable amount for him because I don't think any player or or any team would let him or trade him for um, much less than his value so I, I just don't see him leaving. He's staying like, uh, he's staying I agree with Nathan I don't think he's going to get uh, the big value uh, back in a trade that the Kings would want so by default he would stay. Okay next up Guzma we just talked about him uh, Nathan so mentioned him. Yep. He stays. Like Nathan? Lakers ain't giving him up. Stay or go? Yeah, I don't see I don't see him going. I mean, somebody would have to put up a really big offer, and I don't see anybody doing that. Okay. But I don't think LeBron will allow yeah. it. No, that's the thing. I think LeBron has already put a stamp of approval, you know, a week ago when he said, I think we're good in terms of our team. So I think I think that's pretty much said and done. <laughs> so back to Nathan, Montrose Harrell. Montrez Harrell definitely not leaving. He's staying. I the, the Clippers would be absolutely remiss to do that. Um, he's one of the key cogs of their defense. 
Um, he plays well on offense. Um, he's in general for their team. He's one of the heart the heart pieces of their team. I don't see him leaving at all. Do they trade him for someone like Love or somebody? Or defensive identity, personally, in my opinion. I mean, I agree. I think Montrezl Harrell will say, but if I had some players getting traded to the Clippers, I would think Montrezl Harrell would be uh, involved in uh, in the trade value back. Depending upon who the players are, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So hold on, who do I say? Clippers, going to Clippers is Marcus Morris and uh, Kevin Love. I don't see Marcus Harrell to Cleveland. Okay, so you think he's staying? I'm just going to say he stays. <laughs> yeah. Okay, back to Paolo. Luke Kennard, who has been in trade rumors, even though he is injured. He is a shooting guard for the uh, Pistons. Looks like Pistons are in... Uh, yeah. Kennard, <laughs> uh, 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 Morris. Uh, yeah, Kennard, uh, Morris, and Drummond. Uh, let me see. I could say stay, but I'll say he gets traded. Uh, there are there's probably one team. Hmm? Six or so. Ooh. Yeah, because they need shooting. They really do need shooting. They can use all the help they can get on that area. Nathan, you? Yeah, the Sixers were one team I, I felt um, that um, he could go to. The Pacers are another one. Um, I would also um, add the Nets in there because um, they could use some outside shooting as well. I mean, a surprise team would be the Pelicans. Um, mm. I think if they added somebody like a shooting guard like him. Because I like Josh Hart. Well, the, here's the thing. So, Drew, that that's that's where this kind of comes into play. With Drew Holiday... Um, they've had him obviously as a shooting guard, and they've had Lonzo Ball at the point guard. Lonzo Ball is improving considerably. I don't. I, if they're willing to move on from Drew Holiday, I don't think they are because that was the latest report. That's late. Like, well, well, they're sticking if, with him. If not, then obviously, then it wouldn't be a trade. Because if they were, they could do. They could pull off a trade with him, Andre Drummond, and Luke Kennard because Andre Drummond's on a expiring contract. But if that's the case, then then obviously not. But the three teams then I would put there would be the Pacers, the Sixers, and the Nets. If you notice, they're all towards the bottom half of that playoff run. Yep. Um, and they all can use shooting, outside shooting. So I think those are the three. The Suns were in talks to try to acquire the Canard, but right now those talks are in impasse. Yep. Not surprised. The Suns don't have enough. Next up, Nathan, Derrick Rose. I know Lakers want him. Yeah, they do. I would say he does get traded. I think he does get traded to the Lakers. I think there's a deal that's there. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the players would be and what the combination of players would be, but I I haven't gone to the Lakers. Paolo? He is a candidate for most uh, most improved. I can tell you this much. I don't want him to go to Clippers. (laughs) I would not be happy with that. Well, he wants to stay. He wants to stay, but I don't think um, that's up to him. Yep, so, we've seen that many times when yep. players get dealt, even though they didn't. They want to stay. He likes that playing. Time. I think he does get traded, and um, I'm gonna say the same thing with Nathan. I think the Lakers. Hmm. I already said Clippers too much. So I <laughs> and you can always overlap. True, but uh, because these are different true, scenarios. But um, if both. Uh, Los Angeles teams are going to fire for him. I think the Lakers are going to win that battle because they're going to be more aggressive in that aspect. Okay, back to Paolo. Andrew Wiggins. 
Andrew Wiggins. Mm. You think the uh, Timberwolves continue their fire sale, or do you think they... No, he stays. I mean, at some point, you got to convince cats <laughs> to be... True. To still to, compete and still to, play. To let them know that everything's going to be okay. And if you get rid of Andrew Wiggins, uh, there's no way you're going to calm down Cat, and he's going to not stop until he gets traded. So. Yeah, you can't... You can't trade Robert Covington and then go and trade Andrew Wiggins. And they've already traded uh, their two-point guards in uh, Teague and Napier. Yeah, it's just not – you're not doing it because that's organizational (laughs) suicide. It's just not a good idea. Andrew Wiggins, I think, is – I bet he's he's got his um, agent on speed dial, right? (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Next up, Thaddeus Young. Thaddeus Young. Nathan. I could see him being traded. Um, Thaddeus Young is always a part of trade talks too. It's because he's a he's a very versatile asset, good power forward. Um, there's numerous teams you could see him. I could see him going to the Celtics. Um, I could see him going to um, maybe even the Magic. Um, they could use a good power forward that's versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say um, maybe even the Jazz. I think they could use some help on offense and rebounding. Um, they could use a versatile power forward as well to go along with Rudy Gobert down low. Um, and the thing with that is young is that he's, I think he's around 6'9". He could kind of go small forward, power forward kind of deal. True. Um, so you can use him in multiple different options. Rockets could probably use somebody like him, but they don't have the assets, in my opinion. Mavericks, I could see him going there, too, because obviously the Josh Powell situation. So I would say my top ones would be the Mavericks, um, the Jazz, and um, probably the Magic, because they're on the French playoffs there. Mm. Paolo, you, Thaddeus Young, the backup. I do think he gets traded. and uh, For the... Bulls. Yeah, and I think he could go to Clippers. Mm. He could go to the Clippers. Didn't he play with the Clippers? I How do you see so. him? Yeah. It was the beginning of his career. Mm. It was either Clippers or the 76ers. Next up, this guy's been in trade talks within the last, like, five, eight hours. Kelly Oubre. Yeah. Paolo, does he get dealt? Well, I, I stay know one team that him, and that's his former team, the Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> so, will he stay or will he go? Will I stay or will I go? Yep. Uh, I think they're going to try hard to shop Kelly Oubre, but I think in the end he stays. Nathan, you? Yeah, Kelly Oubre Jr., he's going to be one of those guys that's always in trade talks because he's so versatile um, and he's steadily improving. But I, I believe he stays because mm, I think, well. think going forward they're going to want him um, you know, as good depth. So I think he stays. And like with Cat. The Suns have to convince Devin Booker that everything exactly. is going well. And like I said, this is all barring that they get a really good trade offer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously if that happens, I think he goes, but I don't think Don't just that. make a trade for sake of it. And then last one uh, for uh, Nathan, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon. Because he's been not used properly, basically. And he hasn't. This is probably the toughest one. Magic. The, realistically speaking, it would be best if Aaron Gordon is able to move on from the Magic because he hasn't been utilized well. But at the same time, I'm sure the Magic are still thinking this is one of our higher picks that we had. We still feel like he's got a lot of talent, that he's still got a level to reach. Oh, man. I, I can see him being traded. I'm trying to think who he'd be traded to. Um, 
I mean, a lot of teams could use his uh, passing, his versatility. Most definitely, but who has the requisite assets to... Lakers? The Lakers have... I, so here's <laughs> what... This is where Kyle Kuzma would possibly yeah. be traded. But like I said, I don't believe Kyle Kuzma's leaving. And so that's the reason... That's the only reason why there's hesitation when it comes to the Lakers. But if it was the Lakers, it would be Kyle Kuzma for Aaron Gordon. Probably a couple, you know, picks, swaps here and there. Um, but that would be the idea, I think, or the shell of that of that trade um, if it was the Lakers. But you don't see him getting dealt because of the I assets. I see him being dealt, and I cannot. It's like <laughs> I'd have to see a really good trade offer um, that fits for both teams. But it's it really is that one is fifty fifty. I if I were to give you more or less for for that one, if it had to be more or less. I would say more stay than go. Mm. Okay, you, Paolo? Um, Aaron Gordon. Teams where he can get traded, but in the end, my opinion, he stays. Mm. Because I can see the six teams like the Sixers, the Nets, and the Knicks go for him. But I think, like I mentioned before with uh, uh, Kelly Oubre, the Magic are going to listen to offers, but they stick with Aaron Gordon. Okay, so with that being said, we'll see what the results will be. We already just broke one of the news stories that uh, Andre Iguodala did get traded to the uh, Miami Heat, and he did sign a two-year, $30 million extension, but there's still no details. Oh, there's actually more news that this could be a uh, three-team deal in bringing Oklahoma City, and the Heat are trying to find a way to bring uh, Danilo Gallinari and Memphis could read out some expiring contracts to OKC. Wow. So it's that still it's still in the works, so the trade is still happening. Process, yep. yeah. But other than that, there should be more trades to come within the next 18 or so hours. Oh, next up is my favorite game that we play every week. It's the birthday game. The birthday game. Happy birthday to everyone born on February 5th. Are you still Yep, we have several birthdays, about 10 or so, ranging from one Hall of Famer uh, baseball player, one uh, great Cowboys player, going to NASCAR, and two soccer players that are still playing today. And a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so, let's see. Who do we start off with last week? I'm going to um, just – I'm just going to pick Paolo to go first. We'll start off with a current soccer player. He, I forget which team he plays for right now. Neymar. Plays for Brazil on the national stage. Yep. I don't know what team he plays for right now. He did play for uh, Barcelona, I remember. I'm not Um, sure if it's so current. Neymar. How old is he? I think he's 28. Nathan? Uh, Match, one plus, one minus. Or many more. <laughs> you think he's around that range? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 29. Palo. Oh man! Striking gold again for another Stop week. Stop okay, staying with soccer. He's actually the more famous and possibly the best player in the world. Cristiano. Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo. His birthday is also today. Portugal on the national stage. And Juventus yes. right now. 
was with Real previously. And he was with, I believe, was it Man U or? Uh, yes, that was his original team. It was actually, was it Man U? Yeah, it was Manchester United, yeah. He's a fantastic uh, uh, midfielder, striker at one point in time as well. I remember this this half-field shot that he kicked it from half-field, and it's just like it was crazy to see. It was a dart straight into the – and the goalie, the goalie had no, no chance. Because of the speed, yeah. The speed so how old is he, Nathan? Cristiano, how old is he? He's in his 30s. I'm going to guess that he's 36. Paulo? The one lower, 35. Follows two for two. Oh, nice. Oh, geez. Well, you guys know where this is going with me. <laughs> Sticking with soccer, we're going to go to this Argentine player, played in with West Ham, Menu, and Man City, and Juventus. Not mess. Carlos Tevez. Yep, Carlos Tevez. Oh, man. Wow, Paulo knew it. So. I've, I've seen Carlos Tevez play. <laughs> How old is he? Player. Oh, he's up there. Started in 2001 and still playing right now. All time. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Wow. I'm going to go 37. I'm going to go 38. Ooh, off by so close. 36. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, I was about to say 36. <laughs> Oh, now, man. going to the opposite end, we're going to this former Atlanta Brave, hit 775 home runs in his yeah. career. Yep, played from 1954 to 1976. Still alive today, Hank Aaron. Nathan. Um, he's definitely out there. Yeah, 1976 he last played, yeah. and he's still living. My goodness. Um, I had a trick with the soccer <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> Alright, pun intended. Um, hmm. I'm going to go uh, 83. 83. Paolo, Hank Aaron? I'm going to go with uh, 88. So close, in between 86. Oh, so close, but yes. Uh, we knew we were going to get that wrong. Yeah, I had a feeling. Yep, going to now. Uh, the other football, uh, this guy is a former Bills tight end who suffered a career-ending spine injury in 2007. Kevin Everett. I remember it. He, I believe he suffered it on the kickoff for, you know, Bills. So, Paulo, your turn. Okay. Um, Kevin hmm. Everett. He's got to be young when uh, that happens. I was going to say 42. Nathan? I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with 39. So close, 38. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Next up is this ex-Patriots and uh, Colts running back from 2006 to 2010, drafted by the Patriots, Lawrence Maroney. Oh, man. Yeah, Nathan. 39. He played for the Broncos as well, right? I don't think so. I think it was just the Colts and Pats. Probably think of another running Might back. Might be a lot of Steven Jackson, for whatever yeah. reason. Uh, probably the dreadlocks. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, so, Nathan, how old is Lawrence? Lawrence last played, what, 2013? 10, actually. Wow. So it's been a while. He only played for four years. Right. Um, I'm going to go 35. Hmm. I'm going to go 39. 
Nathan, first win. So now it's two one Paolo. At least I want to get one. Today. <laughs> yeah. At least one. Next up, it's going to be a NASCAR driver, but he last played, wow. he last drove from 1972 to 1990. Wow. Daryl Waltrip, Paolo. Oh, 1990 was the last time, and he played it. He started driving in 1972. Speaking of racing, shout out to Ford, Ford uh, v. Ferrari, which is a fantastic. Yep, movie. I saw it last year. It's a yeah, it's a great movie. Great. 1972 to 1990. Yep, he's old. Put it up there. Older than your parents. Yeah. Younger than your grandparents. Way. Just to put in perspective. I'm gonna go 70. No, 75. Nathan. I'm going to go 69. Ooh, Paolo was close to 73. And I'm going to give it back to Nathan with this former Cowboys QB. He was on the uh, NFL, top, this NFL Top 100 he, uh, for the top QBs over the yeah, past. Right. No. Oh, Roger Staubach. Roger the Dodger? Yep, it's oh, his birthday today. Man. He last played from 1964 to 1979. We weren't even born at that time. Why do you guys always do this? <laughs> I had to give you a former Cowboys QB. You should be up in your Cowboys history. Yeah, but I'm not. With birthdays <laughs> is never the thing for me. It's always statistics and things like that. But goodness gracious. Well, I'm going to go 75. I'll probably be wrong, but what the heck. 77? Seventy-eight. Oh. <laughs> well, at least you didn't get it because otherwise I'd be very upset. Redskin, Redskin fan getting a Cowboys QB. That exactly. would not be. Uh, good. I better not be like how I had a bone to swing. <laughs> yep. No, Next up, Paolo. It's going to happen. I'm gonna, I'm it's uh, another word for you. A former Michigan coach, current the Cavaliers head coach, oh. John Beeline. Oh yeah, John Beeline. Okay, he's up there. Oh, no, he's not that old. Um, I'll go 63. Nathan? I was going to go 65, actually. You're going to say 65? Yep. 67. 67. And the last one for Nathan, Roberto Alomar. He played on the Padres, Blue Jays, O's, Indians, Mets, was a second baseman from 1988 to 2004. Hmm. So essentially, you play for every team on that. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five teams. Five teams. Wow. Um. And he has, I th believe, his son plays in the major leagues right now, Roberto Alomar Jr. Interesting. That's cool. Um, I'm gonna put him in the lower fifties. I'm gonna go with fifty-three. Nathan. I'm not Nathan Paolo. I'm not Nathan. <laughs> oh, he looks a lot like this. So uh. I'm not going to answer. <laughs> I don't want to get. Uh, uh, I don't want to get ranted. Hey, right. I'm not. I wouldn't be offended, so it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, but you. But there are people on social media that can be brutal. All right. So to be serious, Roberto Alomar. How old is he? Right. Last played in 2004. Yeah, he's up there. 57. Nathan was closest. 52. So that wraps it up. Paolo is on the board. He is now 3-1-1 one, one this year. I'm still, nice. I'm still nice. pleased that I couldn't get the hat trick on the <laughs> soccer players. 
Yeah, but, but yeah, you still win, nevertheless. Yeah, yeah. Came out with the victory. The victory is all that matters. Just ask the Kansas City Chiefs. If they got Roger Staubach right, would you have thrown a chair or leave the room? Well, <laughs> thankfully, I have self-control. I'm going to throw a chair, but I would not be very happy. Like I said, I don't like seeing Redskins fans get anything Cowboys-related correct. No BS. Mm. So, to before we wrap up this podcast, just wanted to dive in into some college basketball. Since Maryland did uh, uh, play yesterday against Rutgers at home. And also, before going into yesterday's game, I just wanted to mention that Maryland did defeat Iowa in the, on their home turf, remaining undefeated at home at 12-0. This, this game was slightly marred due to the Hawkeyes' best player, Luca Garza, who's a... National Player of the Year candidate, he picked up two quick fouls within the first four minutes, and his backup got two fouls of his own, the latter being a technical foul that, when in college, converts to a personal foul. And so both uh, centers had four fouls combined soon after. The Hawkeyes didn't have any scores contribute in the first half, long, resulting in a long-scoring drought, and the Terps took advantage, leading at the half. And Anthony Cowan had a career game and scored and carried the team in the second half, scoring a majority of his career-high 31 points in the in the second half, resulting in the team's fourth straight win heading into last night. And due to the, their solid performances and that nine top 25 teams lost on Saturday, the Terps vaulted to number nine overall. They were ranked like in, in the mid-teens. So, fast forward to yesterday's game. The Maryland-Rutgers game was a slog. From the 9-minute mark of the first half to the 17-minute mark of the second half, there was a combined 18 points total. 9 points by the Terps, 9 points by the by Rutgers in 12 minutes of gameplay. It was just absolute sloppiness, hero ball, whatever, no ball movement. The, Rut- yep, yep, the Rutgers had a tough time finding any shots available mm-hmm. because of... Uh, Maryland's defense, and likewise, Maryland's defense offense couldn't get anything done towards Rutgers' defense because both teams are actually ranked in the top ten in terms of defense. So, but on but once the second half started, Maryland finally found their shooting stroke as Cowan started attacking the basket relentlessly. Wiggins made some timely threes, and Jalen Smith had some key blocks and transition buckets. Which is what we've seen all year. Yep. What was quickly a five-point hole evaporated and became a double-digit lead, and Rutgers struggled to find any scoring of their kind down the stretch. And Jalen Smith finished with a 14 points, 15 boards, and a career-high six blocks. Yep. So I believe two weeks ago, uh, Jalen Smith won uh, Big Ten Player of the Week. Last week, it was Cowan's turn. We could see it. Jalen Smith's turn this week. So with that win and Penn State surprisingly beating Michigan State on the road at Michigan State, Maryland now holds a two-way tie for first place in the conference with 20th-ranked Illinois, who they face at at Champaign on Friday night. So it should be an interesting big test for Maryland, and whoever wins holds the number one seed heading into next week. Yeah, or the number one. Battle. It should be, should be an exciting battle, to say the least. Maryland's done a... Um, great job of making sure that every game is a battle. Yep. Um, but yeah, they're a very good team. It's good to see how um, good to see how they've been developing over the course of the season. Yep, they're eighteen and four uh, overall, yeah. and I want to say they're undefeated at all. Yeah, thirteen yeah. and zero because they won. I told you against uh, Iowa last week, and now. Uh, 
Rutgers this week. So they'll remain undefeated when we have our podcast next week. Yeah. Undefeated at home. And other college basketball news, the AP poll this week was revealed on Friday Monday afternoon, as usual. Not many changes. Like I, like I said last week, Baylor is still the team to beat. And we have uh, five Big Ten teams between 9 and 25 overall as uh, Rutgers dropped out with their loss today and with their loss in Pra last week as well. So, yeah, not much in the college basketball world otherwise. And so we're going to jump to the NBA as there have been two new rules in uh, regarding the All-Star weekend. First off, I want to talk about the All-Star game. They completely overhauled this, given that the news about Kobe Bryant passing away. Instead of the standard game, there will be three individual quarters. The winning team, after three quarters, will have 24 points added as a score to reach to win the game in an untimed fourth quarter. So, for example, if the team A was winning by 125 to 103 after three quarters... The first team to uh, win the All-Star game would be the first team to reach 149 points because it's 125 plus 24 points. So kind of confusing, but basically it's whoever gets to 24 first in the fourth quarter. So it's kind of like uh, playing like 21, the pickup game, except you're playing the 24. Which is better, in my opinion, than doing this. I think it would have been better for them to play a game, honestly, like several games. What I think would have been better is if they have multiple teams of five, you have 15 All-Stars for each Eastern Conference and Western, Western Conference. You have six teams of five in a tournament style where they play games to 24. And whoever wins, you know, after those six So a tournament games, style, basically. It's kind of kind of similar to what the NHL does with their divisions that go head-to-head, and then whoever goes to the final pairs, uh, faces off. Exactly. And you could do three-on-three, three, you could do five-on-five, five, whatever yeah. you choose. So, Paolo, your thoughts on that new All-Star Game rules? Kind of confused on that, uh, but I appreciate the nod, though. I think I it's do. great that they're trying to honor Kobe. And they're also the they're also acknowledging Kobe in that LeBron's team is going to be wearing all number twos, and then the Giannis's team was wearing all twenty fours. That I love. That yeah, I really love. absolutely. Now, I want to like give it a chance before I say I like it or I hate it. All I'm just going to say is a little bit confusing. But let's just let it play out and see how it goes. I think it's a, uh, in my opinion, I think it's a better change because uh, for the past at least four or five years, it's essentially been a three-point and then uh, uh, alley-oops game. So it's basically a three-point all-star game. It's basically like a three-point Contest, three-point contest, but in uh, NBA game form. And plus, you get the alley oops and you get the fancy dunks. Exactly. But that's all it is. It's like there's no like com- there's no like actual competitiveness. Like when I saw like Jordan play in the All Star game, or when Kobe was in the All Star game, it actually was actually competitive. Yes, and I think people guys will, will compete regardless for this All Star game. I'm curious to see though how these changes will go will be going forward. If guys will maintain the same type of competitiveness in, in years after. Right now, everybody is feeling the effects. I think people are going to want to honor Kobe and, and how hard they play. But I just wonder how going forward that will be. But, I mean, I could be wrong. I'll definitely wait. It's definitely wait and see. I just don't. I, I'm not feeling it right now, personally. <laughs> personally, I'm yeah, not feeling it. So you agree with me on that? Yeah. Like, like, confusing, but... 
Well, to me, it's not confusing. I, I I understand where they're going. I just, I personally have my own idea in terms of what I would do. And I think it'd be a little bit more efficient as well as straightforward. And I think it would increase competition because people love tournament style. Tournament style really makes, you know, makes you feel like you're achieving something because you're getting multiple teams and it's like knocking out one team and moving on to the next round. It's like the playoffs. So it's like, I think that encourages more competition. So that's the reason why I see tournament style as a better option personally. Gotcha. Right. And then we have a new addition in the three-point contest. So three-point contest, for those of you who don't know, it's basically six balls per rack around around the three-point line on, I believe, six different sections. Wow. Five, so five balls per rack. No, five balls, yeah, eight, including the money ball. Money ball yeah. Include, and then there's one rack where it's all money balls. Right. So basically each shot is worth one point. Money ball is worth two points if you make it. But now they're adding a new twist. So there are going to be two additional shots, six beat behind behind the three-point line that will be worth three points each. Like so this is kind of so rounds would be twenty-seven shots instead of twenty-five, and taking seventy sec, seconds instead of sixty. So basically, they're kind of adding the Steph Curry, the Trey Young, the Damian Lillard type long-range three-point shots into the three-point contest. I like this because this is a nod to kind of where the NBA is going overall in terms of the long three-point shooting. And I think this is a, a great option because it also helps somebody, you know, at the end, if they, if for those who have been practicing the shot, and there's plenty of people who have been practicing the shot, it gives them the opportunity to win at the end when it's really close and you, you just need those couple of extra points. So I like, I love that. Mm -hmm. Paulo, you, on this new change that the three point, there's two new shots from six feet behind the three point line. I like it. It adds more intrigue. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't wait to see it. When it comes to All Star Weekend, I love watching the three point com yeah. the three point contest. That's exactly. one of my favorite ones to watch. Second to that would be the uh, the dunk contest. But I've always been fascinated with the three point contest mm -hmm. because I want to see how many three point uh, shots that anybody can make, and it could be anybody. It, one year was Steph Curry, next is uh, Clay Thompson. And then one year it's like some nobody off, like a, a great three point shooter, but right. not a great starter. Right. And I enjoyed that one year where uh, Kevin Hart was <laughs> trying to uh, uh, make those three point shots, and he was trying to, I, I guess he was trying to playfully have a beef with uh, Draymond Green. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but your thoughts about the new rule? Yeah. I don't yeah, that's what I thought. I, I, from my perspective, it's, again, I like that they're adding this new flair because they're going more towards it because the NBA is going more towards these long-range bombs. Yep. And it will also be a nice tiebreaker in case multiple players make both or multiple right. players mess. Because other, cause the previous tiebreaker, I believe they have had tiebreakers in the past where they've actually gone into several overtimes after right. because they've had the same number of baskets each time. People are just tired yeah, so that'll be interesting new twists for next week. Next week, we'll give our predictions as to who will win the skills challenge, the uh, three-point contest, and the dunk contest, as we have uh, two new guys and two previous competitors. And, yeah, and so we have that to look forward to for All-Star Weekend next next weekend. And, Paolo, you wanted to mention something? Yeah, so I just wanted to mention two things. Um uh, earlier this week, you had to go into college football. You had uh, head coach Mark D'Antonio resigning mm. from uh, from Michigan State. Mm -hmm. He has been the head coach 
since 2007. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's, it's a big move, but um, I'm not surprised that, that they're finally moving on. It, it's, it's crazy because obviously he's been there for a long time. He's had some successful seasons, but they've realized that they have to start something new. They have to find um, some new blood in their, in their team. And I think, I think it's, a good, it's, it's good for them to move on. But, but definitely a big move. Yeah, I mean, he was a longtime uh, uh, Michigan State uh, head coach for the football team, and yeah, he'll be missed. Another thing I want to mention is back to the NBA here. Since we were talking about Kobe Bryant, last time we were in the podcast, the Lakers and the Clippers postponed their game because they were still uh, mourning the loss, the loss yep. of Kobe Bryant. Well, the Lakers had a game in Staples Center against the Portland Trailblazers. But, of course, all of that was about a paying tribute to uh, Kobe Bryant. There was a, there was a memorial outside. Fans uh, gathered around on Staples Center and inside, of course. They left uh, two empty seats for uh, both Kobe and Gianna. Mm-hmm. That was a touching tribute. Um, you had Usher uh, singing the Amazing Grace. You had Voice of Men singing um, the National Anthem. Then there was, like, a video package from Kobe Bryant. I think Paul George was the narrator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did, he did that during the Clippers game. Yeah, during the Clippers yeah. game. And then during the halftime show was a very emotional um, tribute by, uh, what was it, Wiz Khalifa, Wiz Khalifa and, and Charlie Pugh yeah. singing See You Again. Mm-hmm. Of course, we heard that uh, when uh, Paul Walker died. Yeah. I want to get your thoughts on that. For me, I thought it was a great uh, tribute. And um, let's just say... Uh, there was not a dry eye for me um, when I was watching uh, the game, especially uh, with uh, the halftime of tribute. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's emotional. I mean, that's at the very least. And, you know, just seeing everybody's reaction, I think, is is the is the toughest part. Seeing LeBron, you know, he's having a speech and he's barely getting through that. You know, he's in tears. Oh, yeah, I forgot um, about the LeBron, the yeah, LeBron speech. Yeah, the LeBron speech. And Anthony Davis, you saw, was in tears. So many players were in tears. And, you know, it was very touching. I think the Lakers did a phenomenal job um, just, you know, kind of encapsulating that, that evening and letting people – have the opportunity to kind of grieve and mourn, but also giving them the opportunity to celebrate um, some of the things that Kobe did. It. I think LeBron put it well, you know, we'll have a memorial for Kobe eventually, but this is also um, the, the opportunity to celebrate his life and, and, and a lot of the things that he was able to bring to the Lakers organization and as a Laker player, and not just as a Laker player, but as a person in general. So I thought I thought it was very touching. I, I would say the Amazing Grace song that Usher sang was probably the, um, the most touching for me. Um, obviously, the Charlie Puth song that that's anytime you hear that song, you yeah, see you again, start, yeah. yeah, you you know, it's it's just one of those things, um, one of those songs that is really um, heart touching. So. That was that was phenomenal what the Lakers did, um, and yeah, it's it's going to be hard for for everybody in the NBA, NBA fans across the world um, going yeah, forward. It's still but hard to process. It's still very difficult, you know. And um, I remember uh, Carmelo Anthony was supposed to play, and he chose not to, obviously because he's grieving uh, 
the loss of Kobe Bryant, but the amount of flack that he got that he wasn't playing. I mean, you see that with everything yeah, these yeah, days. It's ridiculous. It, you know, it's not time for people to be hating people and to be, you know, everybody has their way of mourning yeah. and, and processing and things. Apparently, it's not it was, up to other people to decide how somebody's going to mourn or how somebody's going to you know, be affected by a loss. And I, it's, it's too bad for the people who are focused on that because you're focused on the wrong thing. Yeah, and to close that out for my part, uh, I think it was reported that Kobe was going to be at the game, and then afterwards he and Carmelo were going to go have dinner. So yeah. imagine having that conversation and then finding out Kobe died. I mean, it's too much for Carmelo. So. so yeah, and on a similar tangent, uh, Dwight Howard inv- was going to invite Kobe for to for him to be a uh, uh, assistant for yeah. the uh, dunk contest, and right. so he was so shocked. Can you imagine too. how uh, Dwight is feeling right now? Yeah, I mean, you can only imagine all the plans that Kobe yeah. probably had made with several different players, mm-hmm. and then for him to be gone. I mean, that's difficult for well, everybody. Rob Palenka was in the the seats with his daughter. Too, yeah, and he's one of Kobe's best friends. Yeah, he's the godfather of. Kobe's daughters and Jeannie Buss was also in the stand, so you know I don't think I don't think Vanessa was there, but I think she saw it. Um, so I mean, yeah, just very very emotional. Like I said, I think the Lakers did a really good job um, of encapsulating that evening. So yep. So that's going to conclude it for this uh, episode of the Spin Move Podcast, uh, the fifth episode this year. I'm glad you guys are listening to our podcast. Uh, we talked a lot about NBA how. With the big trade that happened yesterday, the small trade that we broke today, that will become a we'll find out more details regarding Andre Godala and talked about the MLB blockbuster trade that broke last night as well, and uh, recap the Super Bowl and other news also. So thank you for listening to our podcast. Like we said, you can find us on Spotify, on Google Play, and on Apple Podcasts. All kinds of platforms. Don't forget to leave yep. us a review and yep. follow us. Yep, please do. And I hope you enjoyed the first week of the XFL weekend. Yes, and UFC also, John Jones versus Dominic Reyes should be an amazing fight. Follow John Jones on that. (laughs) Yep, so from all of us, signing off. Take Take care, everyone. Y'all have a good one.